Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. If you thought this year's fire season was a smoky mess, you ain't seen nothing yet. Introducing the Comedy Hall of Fame class of 2023, the Ticats shuffle the deck, a new arena for the Bulldogs, Christine Sinclair elevated the bar, and Telling Tales is still going strong. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. The Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs has come out with some new data that shows our country is in for yet another devastating fire season next year. 40 fire chiefs from across this country are meeting with government officials this week in Ottawa, and they're calling on the federal government to take action. Ken McMullen is the president of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs and the fire chief in Red Deer, Alberta, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Chief McMullen, how are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. Good morning to you as well. Thanks for joining us today. Why is 2024 forecasted to be even worse than this year? I think there's a there's a couple of different issues. First and foremost, just from the weather perspective, we just have not seen the precipitation that we would have typically seen in a given year as far as moisture on the ground. So that just leads way for uh, the predictability that the fire season of 2024 will continue to be a very hot, dry season. And uh, besides that, what we've indicated in our survey, the 2023 Great Canadian Census, indicates that we are down. uh, Men and women serving this country from a fire perspective, our equipment is aging, and there's just simply a lack of coordination at the federal level. So those are just three of the topics that uh, we are exploring with our government here this week. When it comes to a drop in those volunteer firefighters, what is the cause? In 2016, there was 156,000 firefighters across this country made up of career, composite, and volunteer firefighters. In 2022, we saw that number dramatically reduced to 126,000. Our survey in 2023 shows yet again a reduction by 9,500 individuals. There's a whole host of reasons as to why we're seeing individuals leave the service. In many cases, they just uh, retire or age out, and we're having challenges with the recruitment and retention uh, at the bottom end of interested uh, individuals joining the fire service. What we do know, however, with all of that being said, is that there's greater risks to a first responder today than there ever was before, both mental risks as well as physical risks. Uh, a fire season of 2023 didn't help. Uh, we asked men and women to uh, be out on the front lines for weeks and months at a time. And for many, that was uh, not what they had signed up to do. And uh, simply, we lost them as a result. You also mentioned aging equipment. And I'm just going through some of the Surveyor Census highlights. And it says that 54% of all fire departments are now deferring equipment purchases due to fiscal pressures. And that's up from 41% in 2022. Is that, however, more of a municipal issue, or does the federal government play a part in that as well? Well, it's a combination. Uh, uh, Fire departments are funded uh, primarily through the municipalities. There's often support provincially. Where there is a role from the federal government is for programs such as the Joint Emergency Preparedness Program, referred to as the JEP program, which was funding available uh, through the federal government up until 2013, at which time that funding ceased to exist. That funding we need now back more than ever. It allows municipalities to apply for funds for things like specialty equipment and specialty training. When you talk about the cost of of equipment, for example, uh, a fire truck's cost has increased up to 30%. Now, that's nothing that we could have planned for 
uh, when we go to municipal budget and we plan for uh, replacement of apparatus in 10 and 20 years, we plan for incremental increases as a result of uh, inflation, but we did not and will not plan for a 30% increase. We're joined on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML by Red Deer Alberta Fire Chief Ken McMullen. Chief McMullen is also the president of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs in Ottawa this week to meet with government officials calling for some government action when it comes to curtailing next year's fire season. And that leads me to our next question. What must be done to get better outcomes next year? Or is it, or are we already at the too little, too late stage? There's a lot uh, that can still be done. I think as we're here, we're talking about what can we do to retain and certainly show appreciation to the current 126,000 firefighters. One of those asks is to increase the volunteer firefighter tax credit, which currently allows uh, volunteers up to $3,000 annually exempt on their taxes. We've asked the federal government to consider increasing that to $10,000. That will help make sure that we have individuals that are ready to continue to to battle these fires and attend medical calls and attend motor vehicle collisions in this country. The last piece that we continue to to ask for is the the coordination, and in doing so, we've asked the government to consider a national fire administration. And our colleagues in other countries, for example, the United States have an office uh, of the U.S. Fire Administrator, we think and feel as though Canada needs that now more than ever. It sounds like it, and uh, hopefully some of these things will be taken seriously by the government and we'll see some action to see that 2024 is not as bad as this year because it was really a smoky mess. And I want to ask you, how how did your members cope this year? The fire season, uh, as everybody has heard loud and clear, was absolutely the worst that we have seen in Canadian history. Burnout is one of those terms that we think often is overused. However, it does best describe the the Canadian Fire Service. Uh, People were asked to go uh, to more events more often for a longer period of time, and the fire season was just longer. Uh, And unfortunately, I'll tell you, in, in Calgary, Alberta, yesterday it was 16 degrees above zero. They fought a major grass fire in that community yesterday on the 5th of December. Uh, That is alarming and concerning, and we should all be prepared for that. Chief McMullen, uh, thank you and uh, all firefighters in this nation for your service and uh, just uh, protecting us from uh, whether it's a forest fire or house fire, as as you just mentioned, a grass fire as well. We greatly appreciate it, and we thank you for your time this morning as well. Thank you to you and your listeners. Uh, please stay safe and thank you again. That is Red Deer Alberta Fire Chief Ken McMullen, also the president of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs in Ottawa this week, demanding some answers and some action from the federal government. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This is a hot topic. The Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame announcing its inductees. The class of 2023 being celebrated here in the city. Yesterday we heard from comedian Ron James about the inductees into the Hall of Fame, which include the likes of Martin Short and Eugene Levy, the entire cast of SCTV, Jim Carrey, Steve Smith from the Red Green Show. What a cast it is. Uh, Tim Progosh is the executive director of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, and Ron James is an iconic comedian himself, and they both join us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Tim, Ron, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Fantastic. Tim, we'll start with you. This class of inductees, I mean, so many superlatives come to mind. Outstanding, amazing, incredible, funny as well. Your thoughts about this selection of characters? 
Well, I got to tell you, um, it's a lengthy process to go through, but you're choosing from the best of the best. And it's, uh, it's a difficult choice. But when you think of, you know, the form- formulation of comedy across the world, and you'll think of Jim Carrey and what he was able to do. Uh, and I remember him back in the Yuck Yucks days when he was doing Henry Fonda. And, uh, and then he just blossomed to this terrific actor and, 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 you know, in living color and everything. But I'm a, a second, uh, second city guy. So I, uh, watched SCTV and, and we would get together every week. And the next day you talk about all the sketches, uh, you know, the guy with the snake on his face or uh, Sabrina Caruso, the, you know, the t- learning English with Harold Ramis in the classroom and, uh, all these great sketches and, and wonderful people. But then you think of Hamilton's own, Billy Van. I watched Sonny and Cher, and my brother and I watched uh, the, the, these Canadian actors and all these U.S. shows, and we go, well, I know that guy, I know that guy, because they were the best sketch comics in the world. And it's all we had in those days, too, right? I mean, comedy really in Canada was still in its infancy in the 70s. And uh, what's been great about the CCHOF, uh, it's... Uh, it's honoring the art form. And for those of us who ply our trade across the far points of frontier, whether playing uh, soft seaters, uh, theaters, clubs, legion halls, uh, this gives us an opportunity to celebrate the A, icons of our industry, as well as see each other in a collective setting. Uh, I said yesterday at the press conference, it's like the old Trapper's Rendezvous they'd have in 1783 where everybody is at the far points of frontier for most of the year. And then once a year, we get together, uh, we get together for, uh, to trade stories and to, uh, and to share our lives. And uh, I can't think of a better place than the Hammer to do it, where uh, I've played uh, Hamilton many times over the years, and uh, people come to laugh. They really come to enjoy themselves. It's an unpretentious town. Well, we, we've loved to have you time and time again, Ron. Thank you for that input, and that's a, a great sentiment from some of your peers who are now in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. And Tim, we only got about a minute, but I want to ask you, there's an induction festival that's happening in February in Hamilton. What can you tell us about it? Well, it goes from February 21st to the 24th, and it's got a lot of variety. We've got uh, an opening gala with uh, Ron performing at for the uh, Kemp Hospice, uh, Ashley Leggett, another local, and uh, Sean Majumder are hosting that one. Uh, we have the closing gala where we've got Blue Rodeo playing. We have an all-Hamilton show uh, with Pat McKenna, Graham Greene paying tribute to Steve Smith and Billy Van with Teenage Head performing at it. Uh, we have a bilingual show. We have Gotland, a new, uh, a very good show with the, the best in Indigenous comedy. Uh, there's a little bit for everybody, and we have exhibits that people can go see every day uh, where there's going to be book signings. We've got the Great White North set. We've got the set from Letterkenny. We've got... Um, it, it's it's really a lot, and we're having Uncle Buck breakfast. We're going to cook the biggest pancake in uh, Hamilton ever, <laughs> and uh, we screen the movie, and uh, Jen and Chris Candy are going to be there hosting. Wow, that is going to be tremendous. It's the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame online, CanadianComedyHallOfFame.com. Get details of the induction festival in Hamilton, February 21st to the 24th. Can't wait to see it. Tim, Ron, thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you. Thank All you. the best. Yes, thank you very much. That is comedian Ron, J- Ron James and Tim Progrush, the executive director of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Whole question of the day here on 900 CHML. You can find it on our X account at AM 900 CHML. Who should be the next head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats? There's four options for you. Scott Milanovic, Mark Washington, June Jones, or other. Right now, the favorite is Scott Milanovic. 50% of you believe that he should be the guy. And he could be the guy. I mean, that's one of a number of decisions that this franchise has to make this offseason. And it started yesterday because the Ticats made a couple of big decisions yesterday. Orlando Steinauer out as head coach. He's now the president of football operations. Ed Hervey is the team's new general manager. You know, at the end of every season, you're you're constantly evaluating, and that's not just players. That's the whole organization. And, you know, when you're tasked with more, um, you got to look at everything, and you look at what you have in in house, and you look at what you can acquire outside, and. Just how can you get better? That's that's the bottom line. Ticats say they will name a new head coach before the end of the week, which basically means tomorrow or Friday. And along with this front office shuffle, there are some other big decisions to be made this offseason, particularly with the roster. Josh Smith is a reporter with 3 Down Nation. He wrote an article before yesterday's big shuffle was announced uh, entitled The Four Biggest Offseason Questions Facing the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll get to some of those with Josh, who we welcome to GMH on 900 CHML. Josh, good morning. Good morning to you, Rick. How you doing? I'm good. Your reaction to yesterday's uh, shuffling of the deck chairs, if you will. Is it wrong to say surprising, not surprising, because there were some whispers of this around Grey Cup time here in Hamilton a few weeks back that this was a possibility, but at the same time, you're still kind of a little bit taken aback just because I do think Orlando Steinhauer is a good coach. He's still relatively young. I think he's only 50, 51 years old. Like it feels like a weird when this happened in Calgary, when John Huffnagel gave up his head coaching duties to focus on the front office, it made sense. Huffnagel was in his sixties you could see his coaching career was kind of winding down. This feels a little different than that. So it was a, it was a little surprising in the fact that Steinauer would step down, but at the same time, not surprising given that there were kind of rumors that this was a possibility. Ed Hervey is the team's new GM. He had joined the team a season or two ago as a consultant and kind of a one, one of a number of assistant GMs with the team, along with Drew Alamang, who's been charged with drafting uh, Canadian players, as well as Spencer Zimmerman. How do you see this front office playing out? Will, will Ed retain those? He had some glowing things to say about Drew and Spencer, or does he bring in his own team? I hope he does keep them around. I think that the group, that now that they all have one general manager, I think like the co-GMs, the assistant GM stuff, kind of muddies the waters a little bit. Having one voice now, I think, is really important. We've seen Ed Hervey have success in this league as a general manager. He took an Edmonton, took over an Edmonton team in 2013 that was in the doldrums and built them up in two years to a Grey Cup champion. So we know he has the bona fides to get the job done. Drew Alamang, Spencer Zimmerman are smart football people, so I hope that they have a role in the organization going forward. Drew's been with the team for, good God, who knows how many years yeah. now. So it would be nice if they were retained. But it just I think the move is is kind of solidifying or – codifying like just kind of a a power structure that I think this team kind of needed where there was it wasn't maybe the the phrase too many cooks in the kitchen 
could come up with what the Ticats had in the front office. And now it feels much more like a functioning, normal football operations where you have a president at the top and a GM and then his assistants, then you'll have a head coach. Yeah, the, the hierarchy looks uh, and makes yep. a little more sense now. We're with Josh Smith, reporter with 3 Down Nation, who wrote an article on 3downnation.com. The four biggest offseason questions facing the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We're tackling some of those here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. And in 10 minutes' time, we're going to open up the phone and the text line, and you can have your say on who should be the next head coach of the Tiger Cats. Josh, I'll ask you, is this Scott Milanovich's job to lose? Simply put, yes. I think it would be a monumental shock to everybody if he was not named the head coach sometime later this week, as the team said in their press release. It's been pointing this way. When he took his name out of the running in Saskatchewan, that's sort of when the rumors heated up even more that it was a possibility that this team could be making a shuffle. And it was all meant with the idea of retaining Milanovic, who is a three-time Grey Cup champion, who is, came in last year and, and, the, and the team kind of bounced back after a rough start. So I would be absolutely flabbergasted if someone else came in and got this job by the end of the week. Would you also be surprised if he retained the likes of Mark Washington as defensive coordinator, Jeff Reimbold as special teams coordinator, some of the other assistants, or do you envision Milanovic bringing in his entire new crew? That's where the CFL football operations cap comes in. I'm not entirely sure. I believe Mark Washington still has a year left on his contract. Yeah. And for those out there that aren't familiar with the cap, it's a, a cap on coaches and front office personnel and how much they can spend and firing or letting go of guys still under contract negatively affects that. That's kind of the million dollar question for me. Like Milanovic is going to be the head coach. I, I don't think there's any really any doubt there. My interest is in who he brings in as his assistants. He's probably going to be the offensive coordinator himself. So that leaves, like you said, Jeff Reinbold, Mark Washington, the special teams coordinator, defensive coordinator, respectively. That'll be interesting to see. I know that there was some rumblings that Jason Shivers would have been Milanovic's head coach had he landed the job in Saskatchewan. So maybe he makes that move here. Shivers had been on Saskatchewan staff previously, their defense hadn't been great, but now there's Hamilton's quite frankly. So I could see a change of the guard at some of the coordinator positions. That will be to me, the most interesting thing. If I'm, I'm wondering if when they announce the head coach, if they'll announce the staff changes as well, or if they, if they'll leave that for another day, but that's the thing that intrigues me the most. Absolutely. Another intriguing question in your article. And it's the first one reconcile or restart. And it all has to do with the future. And I would say the cloudy one of one Bo Levi Mitchell here in Hamilton. What, uh, uh, what's going through your mind on, on where he stands with this franchise? So prior to this move yesterday, I would have said it was like 90-10 that he was going to be elsewhere next year, whether that's on the TSN panel or playing for another team. I just thought that the relationship was kind of damaged. But now that Steinhauer has moved off the bench and into the front office, Milanovic is here. I could see them being able to come to some sort of agreement. It's a different coaching staff. It's a different offense. It's all that sort of like selling him on coming back because he said, as everyone probably listening knows right after the East semifinal that he didn't think he was going to be back because of a number of reasons. One of which being he's the highest paid player in the team and didn't play in the playoff game. So it makes sense. I could see this move kind of in a way, not placating Bo, but definitely in a way that could can convince him to return for another season. Cause like the Ticats are in this like weird murky area where I don't know if they want to rebuild or restart. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. do they, do they tear this roster down? They got a lot of free agents. They have a chance to really turn this roster over or do they try to make another go at it? I, it, it's one of those, again, it's never a dull off season in Hamilton. So I think this is the, like we saw yesterday, things got off to kind of a surprising start. And I think it's going to be the same way, but I, 
I, I think I'd put it much more at 50-50 now than I would have uh, just two days ago. That's interesting. I, I, I've said this before. This team, this franchise is at a crossroads in terms of where it yep. goes with its roster composition. I think we got a little bit of a hint of where they might go with yesterday's announcements. It'll be intriguing to see if Milanovic is the guy where they go from here. Josh, appreciate your time as always. Thanks uh, for joining us and uh, have a great day. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Josh uh, Rick, Smith. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Josh Smith, reporter, 3 Down Nation. Check out his article online at 3downnation.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Not sure we're going to connect with the mayor of Brantford, Kevin Davis, but uh, we are embarking to, to get him on the air to talk about a potential, at least at this point, potential new arena in the telephone city, which we understand is going to cost just over $100 million. And one of the things I wanted to ask Mayor Davis was whether or not taxpayers are willing to foot any of that cost. They are embarking on a public consultation campaign very soon about how this arena is going to look like, where exactly it's going to be situated. Uh, Hint, it's going to be right beside the existing Civic Center. And, uh, you know, what what it's going to look like. And I, I think the thought is, and at least it should be, this should be more than just a hockey arena. Because now you can host conventions, whatever the case is. A multi-faceted, multi-use facility is really the way to go these days. And uh, another thing that I want to ask Mayor Davis, and this is quite evident, if you've been to a Bulldogs game in Brantford, you will know that this city is heavily invested in keeping the team here. So let's bring him on. Mayor of the city of Brantford, Kevin Davis, joins us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Mayor Davis, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thanks for joining us today. I know you're embarking on a public consultation campaign about this proposed new arena. One of the questions... It's called the Sports and Entertainment Center, Rick. There you go, Sports and Entertainment Center. Are ta- and I guess you'll find this out, but do you get the sense that taxpayers are w- are willing to foot at least some of the cost? It's too early to know that because we don't yet have the, the report from our, our consultant telling us how you would actually finance this. But, I mean, there's no question that's... That's a concern. Can the city afford to do this? And we'll make that decision in the new year. We have a lot more information, both from the public and also the, the really great consultant we've hired to help us. You are at Brantford Bulldogs home games with a jersey on. I've been told that Brantford councillors are at the arena selling 50-50 tickets, which never happened here in Hamilton. You are clearly taking this three-year time period to show the team that you want them to stay in the Telephone City. What kind of reaction have you received from the franchise? Well, it's been, it's been a very positive relationship. And I think you're right. This community has embraced the Bulldogs. And a good example of that is six out of 11 city councillors have purchased out of their own pocket season tickets and attending most of the games. So I think that's a pretty good indication of the kind of support the Bulldogs organization has. And so, you know, for us here in Bradford, we love hockey. This is a great hockey team. But we realize with the Bulldogs, it's more than just a great hockey team. It's a great organization because we saw and we're seeing the great value the team brings to us in the organization, both you know on the ice and off the ice. On this new proposed sports and entertainment facility, do you have a timeline? Yeah, the timeline would be, well, we'll set the timeline in, in the new year if we decide to proceed. And hopefully it would be about a three-year timeline to completion of the of the center. That would make sense. Last one for you, and we've got about 30 seconds. What is or has been the economic impact of the Bulldogs landing in Brantford? Do we have any hard numbers? We don't yet have hard numbers, but we're, we're hearing from the merchants and the restaurants 
around the Civic Center arena that they're seeing an uptick in business. The Bradford uh, Casino, the OLG uh, Casino, they're reporting an increase in business. The estimate is probably somewhere between 4.5 to $7 million a year, the economic spin-off benefit of having the Bulldogs here in town. That is... Uh, early indications are that that prediction is almost certainly true. Yeah, and that's not some change. That is a massive economic uh, impact. And uh, on the ice, this team is playing a little better. It's now, you know, once was once in last place and is now three points out of first place in the East Division. So it is certainly entertaining both on and off the ice. Mayor Davis, I appreciate your time this morning. Great talking to you, Rick. That is Kevin Davis, the mayor of the city of Brantford, offering an update on their arena, or I should say sports and entertainment complex, plans going forward. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Canadian soccer icon Christine Sinclair played her last game yesterday. A moment that is always felt unfathomable. Ball is always inevitable. Christine Sinclair exits the field for the final time wearing the Canadian Maple Leafs. Thanks to one soccer for the sound. 48,112 fans packed into what was renamed Christine Sinclair Place, BC Play Stadium, to watch Sinclair's final match, a 1-0 victory for Canada over Australia in their latest friendly. Here to talk about it is John McGrain. He played for the Canadian men's national team as a member of the Canadian and Hamilton Soccer Halls of Fame and the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame. Mr. McGrain, good Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm fantastic. And so is Christine Sinclair. What a phenomenal career she had. What words come to mind for you when describing her level of excellence for so many years? Well, I think the word icon is probably front and center for her achievements uh, over the last 20 years for women's sports. Uh, You know, as a father of two girls and a grandfather of two girls. Uh, I think she is definitely someone both on and off the field that would be a, a model for what you'd want your daughters to grow up to be like. Sinclair, at the age of 40, bids farewell to international competition. She went out a winner as well, which seems quite fitting because she won just about everything there was to win besides the World Cup, unfortunately, but, but performed well on uh, the the global stage. What made her so good? Oh, I think it's it's a combination that uh, separates people who play amateur sports to those that play professionally. Uh, I I think skill has something... Well, let's put it this way. Someone of her stature, skill played a big part. But longevity... uh, being able to stay away from long-term injuries, uh, being on a team that helped her, because it's not just Christine that won a gold medal, it was the team that did that. But she played in some very, very good teams. And uh, my personal opinion is maybe a couple of years too long, uh, you know, playing, but she has every right to do that. And... uh, she will be remembered as one of the greatest greatest soccer, women's soccer athletes, uh, not just in Canada, but in the world. Also the greatest goal scorer. I mean, 190 career goals in 331 international matches, more than any player, man or woman, and a record that, who knows, could stand for a long time, if not forever. When you look at that number, man, that's mind-boggling. 
Well, it, <laughs> uh, you know, I come from a different era when I was playing. Uh, you know, goals were always hard to come by. Uh, uh, the the number of uh, opportunities to to score goals uh, at the international level has always been difficult on the men's side. Uh, on the women's side, it's it's a relatively new sport over the last twenty odd years. Uh, so you have some teams that probably weren't up to the level of what the Canadian team was. But at the end of the at the end of the day, scoring goals are never easy. So give credit for what she's done. Yeah, she has been an amazing finisher throughout her career with John McGrain, who played on Canada's men's national soccer team, a member of the Canadian and Hamilton Soccer Halls of Fame and the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame. We're talking about the great Christine Sinclair. You mentioned your daughters and and your granddaughters playing the sport. Christine's legacy on the field is, is quite clear. Her legacy off the pitch as well is really impactful when you consider her fight for equality and really incentivizing a lot of young girls getting involved in the sport. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's, she's the reason why. Uh, I mean, I went to a game a couple of, a couple of years ago uh, of which she was playing, the, the women's national team was playing, and I took my daughter, who didn't have any children at the time, and uh, it was at BMO Field, and there was over 30,000 people there. And, and it was it was mums and daughters, it was dads and daughters. Uh, something that was uh, never part of the equation, you know, when I was growing up. So I think what she has done uh, for the women's movement, uh, women's equality, uh, I think has been absolutely terrific. Uh, her causes and... You know, I had the chance to play against Pelé many, many years ago. And Pelé was known as the greatest male soccer player of all time. But he was also a class act off the field. There was no controversy about Pelé. And one thing about Christine is that she's a class act off the field. Uh, she is the complete opposite of the of her American counterpart. Uh, uh, what's her name, Rob? Rapone or Raposne or whatever her name is. Megan Rapino, yeah. Yeah, Rapino. Uh, the complete opposite of, of that type of individual, very low key, and, uh, and just someone to look up to. And I think uh, that will be her lasting, uh, her lasting legacy, will be that. I agree as well. John, I appreciate your time. You're a class act as well, and I appreciate uh, you spending some time with us here on the show. Always my pleasure. Thanks, Rick. John McGrain, he was uh, a star on Canada's men's national soccer team, also a member of the Canadian and Hamilton Soccer's Hall of Fame and the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Another of the 30 organizations that benefit from the CHML Children's Fund is Telling Tales. And the executive director from Telling Tales is with us now, Heather Kanabe. Good morning, Heather. How are you this morning? Good morning, Rick. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining us this morning. Tell us about Telling Tales. Well, Telling Tales is a pretty magical organization. We've been around for over 15 years, and uh, we were founded uh, to present this amazing and beautiful festival that happens once a year in September and really uh, builds the love of reading for little tots to teens and introduces them to some amazing Canadian authors. And so we've been uh, doing that. And then we started to also make our way into 
uh, schools and community programs. And now we serve over 10,000 children throughout the year, uh, bringing authors to them and building activities around literacy and uh, really creating inspiration. It's pretty amazing that 15 years ago this idea came about and it has just you know, exploded into something even bigger than I think anyone originally had thought. Absolutely. The, the hope was pretty uh, big mm-hmm. in terms of our ability to influence literacy within the community. So I would say the hope was there from the first days, but I don't think we ever thought we would be able to reach as many children as we have and create as many magical moments as we have. Well, and it is now one of the top 100 festivals and events in Ontario, which is amazing to hear. And uh, we know that the two-day festival uh, happened, as you mentioned, in September in the RBG. How did it go? Well, we're very, very delighted because we're back to uh, the the amount of folks that we were reaching before uh, that uh, that time happened here in uh, in Canada with the pandemic. And so we had over 6,000 children and their families who came out to the festival over two days, um, which was just incredible. We had over 60 authors coming out and uh, and creative makers. And we had actors of every kind in their magical uh, fantasy suits, creating wonderful memories with the kids. So. It was really delightful. Heather Kanabe is our guest. Heather is the executive director of Telling Tales. You can find out more information online at tellingtales.org. This year's theme was Stories Help Us Grow. How did Stories Help Us Grow in 2023? Oh, well, the stories kept us inspired and the stories kept the children inspired. And because of that, we were able to reach twice as many folks uh, coming out to the festival. And, you know, we continue to engage folks from really an extremely broad community in terms of the storytellers and uh, and the authors that we bring to the festival. And I have no doubt, um, you know, our feedback was amazing. Over 95% of people say that their uh, love of reading, their joy of reading has been influenced by the festival. So, you know, I think that the growth is something in terms of our, you know, love, empathy, um, you know, family storytelling, all of those things. And uh, and I, I have no doubt that both the festival and our in-school programming was able to create that kind of change. Absolutely. We know that uh, planning is already in the works for the festival in 2024. Can you give us uh, maybe a little bit of a hint of what we uh, might be able to see? Uh, yeah, we're actually just starting to sit down with all of the amazing publishers in Canada and uh, get excited about some of the authors that might be coming out. This year, we're really excited uh, about building our activity-based learning at the festival. So we're going to have uh, both reading and activity uh, centers for each age group. And so really expanding the footprint at the Royal Botanical Gardens um, and, and uh, you know, building a new stage as well for some of our uh, big and exciting folks that are joining us within the Global Garden. So I think what you'll just see is a bigger and uh, more exciting and fanciful festival. And then, uh, you know, we continue to meet with new program partners within the community. So we've met with at least five different new community partners. So you'll see programming throughout the year uh, at different times than you may have seen it before and hopefully even more embedded in our community. 
Well, it's amazing to know that funds that um, our listeners generate for the CHML Children's Fund and the Christmas Tree of Hope campaign is going to a marvelous program like Telling Tales. And I encourage our listeners to uh, continue to donate to support programs and uh, organizations like Telling Tales. Heller, thank you very much for your time this morning. Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Rick. Happy holidays. Take care. Heather Kanabe is the executive director of Telling Tales. Online, tellingtales.org. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.